podcast. This is a podcast where four mental health clinicians, three of us from Canada, one of us from the United States, serve you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I'm Dr. Ryan Howes, clinical psychologist from Pasadena, California. I'm Dr. Brooke Lewis from the Vancouver area, and I'm a registered clinical counselor. Uh, I'm Joanna Boyd, also a registered clinical counselor from the greater Vancouver area. I'm, I'm Chris Boyd, clinical counselor, also from the Vancouver area. Is that Vancouver, Washington in the United States? No, about? it's not, Ryan. Oh, you're the, you're the Canadians then. Okay. You guys are the Canadians. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Vancouver, British Columbia, or some people call it the Tish. The Tish. Yes. That's no, only, only you, only you Ryan. Yeah, only, only you. you calls it the Tish. Never, for those listening, Ryan referred to it as the Tish, and we were quite uh, shocked. And British Columbia, right? <laughs> I like to get up to the Tish a couple times a year if I can. I think Joanna was just flat out offended. I was <laughs> slightly appalled. But I guess it is. Words. I guess it's not fair for an outsider to give your place a nickname, right? But if you did ha- have a nickname, I think the Tish would be a good one. <laughs> right, maybe not. So speaking of Canada, I was uh, perusing some social media stuff today and I looked around and there's something called the Bell Let's Talk sort of initiative campaign thing that we don't have down here in the States. So I was wondering if you guys could tell me what the heck that is and what it's all about. So um, Bell is just one of our phone providers or internet phone. Is it just phone? Okay. Anyways, Um, and so this is called Bell Let's Talk Day. So essentially they just use today as a way to raise money for mental health initiatives um, all over Canada. So if you text using Bell, any phone calls, any sharing hashtag Bell Let's Talk, any, um, yeah, there's a promotional video by Michael Buble, singer Michael Buble. Every time you watch it, all of those five cents goes towards, um, yeah. Mental health initiatives. Mental health initiatives. And I think yeah. over however many years they've been doing this, I think I think around $110 million has been raised, if I heard Ooh. on the radio correctly. Um, wow. Yeah, That's so it's pretty great. Money. So it's really yeah. just getting out there. It's important to talk about mental health, trying to um, mm-hmm. destigmatize mental health in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. That sounds yeah. great. So there's a lot of sharing of it and people change their profile photos um, with like the Bell Let's Talk frame. There's a lot of hashtagging, a lot of people posting quotes about mental health or reducing stigma about mental health resources. Uh, yeah, people on share their own. Did people share any of their own like mental health struggles or, you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And a, and a great way to raise money and on a complete, uh, a bit of a side note tangent of this, Michael Buble also lives in the Tish, not far from where we all live. So we could probably get to his house in, I don't even know, 12 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's so pretty cool. He's a, a local guy for us. And 
um, he went to the same high school that I did, different cohort, but he went to, was in the same cohort as Chris and Joanna's sister-in-law. Oh my goodness. Right yeah. on. Local dude. Yes. Cool. Looking this up right now, it looks like on their website, it says that over 157 million interactions have been done today. So times that by five cents and that'll be our total so far for yeah. today, but it's a 24 hour period. That Bell will then donate to mental health initiatives. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Bell. That's great. That's a great, great initiative. Just get everyone mm -hmm. talking, get people, you know, reducing and stigma. sharing. It mm -hmm. goes viral really quickly. Mm -hmm. Didn't take very long for it to catch on. So. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, an initiative that you started down south there that Joe Dilly brought up there. National Psychotherapy Day, trying to. Ah, Yes impact uh, stigma surrounding mental health as well as, of course, therapy, right? Yes, yeah, that was something that we wanted to do. I felt like if it's if people feel ashamed to talk about their therapy or if they feel like they have to hide it, then you know that's really gonna reduce the number of people who actually seek it out when they might really need it or it might be really beneficial for them. So, so yeah, we started National Psychotherapy Day to try to cut through that, that shame, that stigma and get people curious about uh, talking through their problems. I mean, there's, there could be, there's an initiative, you know, for psychotherapy, just mental health issues in general. I think there could be stuff for medication. There could be things for, you know, just any number of, of uh, mental health issues that's still somehow in, in 2021, in this modern era, it still seems to bring on shame for people or they feel like they have to hide it or, you know, something like that. People don't understand it. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate, you know, if you're, if you're able to go to your physician to get a medication for your diabetes or to, you know, seek help with something that's not going well, gosh, why not do the same for your mental health? So I, be, I believe I'm preaching to the choir here, certainly to you three, but also probably to our listeners as well. If you're on this podcast, then you have an interest in mental health. But uh, yes, support all that. Stop the stigma stuff. It's good well, for everybody. It's been quite a year for everyone. So I think there's, I saw that in a lot of interactions, just it's been a hard year with the pandemic, right? And mental health more than ever has been tested and uh, pushed to its limits for a lot of people. And mental yeah. health is something we all have. We all struggle sometimes in our own ways. And it's really trying to, yeah, make that normal and not, you know, try to minimize the shame and hesitancy to talk about it. So it's pretty great. Yes. Lots of communicating. Yes, I believe that it's, it's this year has been, you know, for people who were already struggling with some sort of mental health stuff, anxiety, depression, relationship stuff, any of that trauma, mm -hmm. um, this has just made it, much more difficult for them, I believe. And then for the people who maybe never had even considered their mental health to be an issue, the uh, the stress and strain of 10 months of all of this has been pretty taxing on people. So, mm -hmm. so it's okay. It's okay to seek help. Uh, we talked about burnout a while ago and you know, you could burn out doing anything if you're not, uh, if you don't have enough resources, mm -hmm. therapists can burn out, but anyone doing parenting or any job or just, just surviving this year can be burning out. For sure. 
So, okay. Bell, let's talk. And gosh, I wish wish we had a something akin to that down here where a major corporation gave a bunch of money to mental health. I can think of a few major corporations who might want to do that. That would be great if they could. That would be great. It sure would. So how are you guys doing today? How's your mental health? Pretty good. Mental health is good. Energy levels a little bit low, but yeah. mental health good. Okay. Ditto. You said a case of the Thursdays, right? Case of the Thursdays. Yes. We record this Thursday nights and uh, sometimes Thursday is just not close enough to the weekend, huh? Well, it kind of is the weekend. I don't take clients on Fridays. Uh, oh. I just do admin, admin work. So I don't have to worry. It's mm. a different, definitely a different energy level for the brain doing admin work versus client work. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's still things to do. It's just the end of the week, tend to pack those four days and yeah. Mm -hmm. Ditto. Yeah. So it's kind of the weekend warm up tonight and hopefully tomorrow will be very productive in lots of different ways. Great. You just, do you do admin stuff as well, Chris? I do. Yeah. It's nice to have a catch up day to, um, for reports and, um, notes and whatnot. So Works so well, part of that, that balance, you know? Certainly. Glad to do that. Joe, is this the start of your weekend too? Is this every, everyone's work weekend starting right now? Uh, no, I, I work tomorrow. It's uh, just a five hour day for me though. So I find this is the hump I get over. The Thursday's a busy day, private practice day. And I just, when Thursday's done, it's already a weekend warm up for me because tomorrow's not really client heavy. So mm-hmm. it's usually, yeah. I look forward to, okay, Thursdays and hooray, weekends just around. Yeah, so close. Right on. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ryan? Do you have a case of the Thursdays or big day tomorrow? Uh, my Yeah, my, I, my Fridays are kind of a regular work day for me. And uh, I usually feel pretty energized on, actually, I feel pretty energized in the evening in general most of the time. Mm. I feel pretty good. Um, not as much a morning person, more of a night owl. So, mm-hmm. so, and Thursdays I get to talk to you guys. So I feel a little extra zap of energy or charge of energy. It's pretty nice. Well, that's nice. Yes. Zap. Zap. Bip. Well, <laughs> let's get ourselves on to our topic, shall we? Yeah. So on, uh, you know, as we're talking about Bell Let's Talk Day, it's very fitting that I'm the topic. I'm the ambusher because my initials spell bell. Brooke E. Elizabeth Lewis. Elizabeth Lewis. So oh. today is bell let's talk day. So I'm going to ambush you. <laughs> Please do. Ambush that away. Isn't that great? I didn't even realize. So I was like, it is a bell let's talk day. That's great. All right, bell. Let's talk. Let's send your send your message Ready? down from the tish. <laughs> we really got to cut so that bad. one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sending some mail bush from the tish. Oh, really? 
We've got Mailbush. All right, Mailbush is mailbag ambush. So <laughs> here we go. Uh, oh, this is interesting. This is a good one. We haven't really right. gone into this at all. Yeah. No, we it's haven't. Like, oh, my goodness. Okay. Here's the question. Oof. Here's the question. What are personality disorders? How are they different from other mental health diagnosis? Diagnoses. Right? Oh, man. What are personality disorders? Wow. Yeah. Because I feel different? like sometimes, um, you know, sometimes people use terms loosely. Yes. Realizing and, and as be, people are becoming more aware of mental health um, or reading more about it or whatnot, they start thinking about things. So a handful of my clients, I know that they throw around the term like narcissism or so-and-so is a narcissist, which is actually a personality disorder, um, or I think they're borderline. Um, mm -hmm. So that diagnosis gets thrown around a bit. Sure. Dependent maybe. personality is a big one. Yeah, so I, I think sometimes people use the term but may not totally understand what that means or how it's different, what the implications of that are. So I thought we could just have a discussion about them because they have their own little section. They do. Okay, well, this is, this is gonna be, all right, we gotta get our brains going here. Out of our the Thursday. Thursday topic for you, Ryan, these guys. Are you two Googling right now? That was <laughs> happening for my listeners. Are they I'm joking. Uh, this is a challenging one because there's it's challenging on a lot of levels. One thing is that the the whole concept of psychiatric or psychological diagnosis is kind of a challenge yes. um, in the first place because what people start off thinking about medical diagnoses, you know, oh, you have a broken bone, you have coronavirus, you have um, an ingrown toenail, whatever it might be. These are diagnoses that are very tangible. They're very physical. People can look at that, look at an x-ray or look at uh, a, a, a viral count in the bloodstream or something like that. And they can see, okay, there's something tangible here that is um, clearly this diagnosis, not that diagnosis. Psychological diagnosis is, is different. It's, it's, it's kind of based on the same model. They, I think the psychiatrist who kind of put the stuff in place kind of wanted it to be um, very similar to medical diagnosis. However, it's not really based on brain scans. It's not really based on blood work. It's based on behaviors and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and sometimes histories and, mm -hmm. um, and thought this, patterns. This thought pattern. Yeah, definitely. Uh, or the, the client's self-report, you know, I'm feeling this, which is subjective. It's not really objective, right? It's someone just saying, I, I feel this way. And so there's this categorization that tries to say, okay, well, you are, you, you must be this, this kind of depressed, you're, or this kind of anxious, um, or you're severe, or you're mild, or you're moderate, that sort of thing. So the whole, the whole concept of, of, of diagnosis in, in mental health is, it's kind of slippery, uh, in some ways. I mean, there, there have been people who've said, you know, you, you send the same client to five different people and you might get five different diagnoses because it's so slippery. Mm -hmm. And we're all trained in diagnosis and it's, it's an important part of the work and it's an important part of our developing a treatment plan and, and communicating with other clinicians about what's going on. But gosh, one person's depression doesn't, doesn't look like the next, the next person's depression oftentimes. And personality disorders are even more slippery. 
I think. So great topic, Brooke. Give us the answers. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do agree with you, Ryan, that uh, it is a slippery slope a bit. Like we often look at validity and reliability of these uh, disorders, and there's a lot of controversy within our field in terms of uh, of those two things, right? Uh, so to your point, I think it serves a purpose in terms of consistency and communication among professionals, and maybe help some clients understand maybe what's going on within them. Um, but uh, there's also a lot of um, potential concerns too, right? Uh, especially if they start to identify with that and that starts mm-hmm. to become their perception of themselves, right? Um, yeah. And we're also finding lately that a lot of clients are coming in after Googling some of their symptoms and uh, using these big terms or these disorders, right? So they come in and sit down and say, I, I think I have this or, or that. Um, what I often ask clients is, well, what does that mean for you? Like, can you break that down for me, right? Um, yeah, so I think it's uh, a great topic for sure, but we, all, we want to use some caution because um, mental health is very different from medicine, physical health, right? To your point, Ryan, um, yeah. in terms of how measurable it can be. That is true. That is true. So we've got this whole whole category of, of uh, so this is where it complicates things a little bit more. So it's a good topic here, Brooke. Uh, I'll, if you don't mind there's, me. there's many layers. There are many layers there's, to this. There's many, many layers. And part of this too, one of my goals for this conversation is just in case there's a listener who has been diagnosed with a personality disorder, you know, to kind of destigmatize that a little yeah. bit. And uh, yeah. Of course. Yes. Dan, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Dan Siegel that said that every single mental health disorder fits into one of two categories, sometimes both uh, behaviors. Yeah. Behaviors and thoughts are very rigid. Her behaviors and thoughts are very chaotic. Right. And uh, often there's uh, a lot of different factors in terms of um, uh, what can impact someone um, maybe developing one of these disorders. Um, trauma, of course, is a big one. That can manifest itself in so many different ways and anxiety generally as well. So a lot of these disorders are often extreme manifestations of anxiety and stress. Uh, so throwing, throwing more, yeah, uh, more ideas out there. But. Okay. So there are, there are different categories of disorders and I won't go into the full thing. I'm not going to make this into a whole class on no. psychopathology. Letting listeners know how our big yeah. book of diagnoses are divided. Yes, divided up into different categories. And some, for example, there are mood disorders, right? So these are things that have, have to do with your mood, like depression, for example. Um, and uh, you know, if, if different types of depression, bipolar depression, um, major depressive disorder, dysthymia. There's all these different categories that have to do with how you're how you're feeling, um, anxiety disorders, uh, from generalized anxiety to specific phobias to things like OCD. We have disorders that have to do with trauma and being traumatized at times in your in your past. Uh, you know, some some event that occurred and you're having flashbacks and struggling with PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. Uh, there are other issues that have to do more with focus and attention, things like ADHD. Uh, which we should have a podcast on at some point. Um, 
But then there's this category called personality disorders. And this has, this is a, a category that has to do with um, a, a, a set of behaviors, a set of behaviors, a set of thoughts that um, manifest in a person, that show up in a person in a way that really uh, permeates all kind of all the relationships in their life, all of the, all of their decisions in their life, just kind of, it's really deeply um, sunk in into a person. And it really uh, affects kind of the way that they uh, interact with other people, the way that maybe other people interact with them. And we call it a disorder because sometimes that deeply held sense of, of their personality, of, of their sense of self um, can be really um, limited by some of the, the the thoughts and behaviors that come along with this personality. Does that does that resonate with you guys? I'm trying to put it in simple terms. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think it kind of makes sense. Um, what I would add to it is sometimes in that category, um, mm -hmm. it can it can look like the personality disorders are sometimes look like a bigger version of what would be in, in the first part of the diagnosis book. Like um, sometimes those behaviors are, are, are often are way more like prolonged or interfere with life more or more deeply or impact more areas. Not, not always, but um, I find that often. Mm -hmm. And it's like for mood disorders where like it's, yeah, very, there's a lot more focus on obviously our management with our moods or up and down or all around. Um, it's more like that's almost just one part of a personality disorder, right? The main focus is not mood. That could just be, you know, there's so many other, the behaviors, patterns, um, beliefs and whatnot seem to be maybe more of a focus versus mood disorders. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but I would say that I would agree that that the yeah the behaviors the patterns and and the interactions with others it's, I think it has these this this category of of, uh, of mental health issues uh, has a lot to do with how people interact with other people and what that what the impact is on other people right mm -hmm. so when we talk about narcissism for example narcissistic personality disorder and and as you brought up Brooke I mean people kind of throw around the term, oh, she's a narcissist or he's a narcissist or something like that pretty, pretty loosely these days. But if we're talking about the actual diagnosis, um, it's a, a real, a person with a real sense of grandiosity, who, you know, someone who really feels like they're super important, very special, better than everybody else or most everybody else, kind of uh, everything they touch turns to gold. Um, and, and that they should really be treated as that, as that. You know, they should be treated that way. Like I am, I am more important. I am more special than everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk in very big terms of how, how great they are, how many wonderful things they've done. And um, now that person themselves may not feel all that much distress about it because mm -hmm. they've created a world where, wow, I'm the best thing in the world and my life is wonderful. But the people around them could be really negatively impacted by that right? Mm -hmm. They could feel not heard or not seen. They could feel like, well, you don't really care about me or um, gosh, the, the things you're doing to get everything you want out of your life is taking things away from me. Mm -hmm. And so this is a case where it's, it's actually the people around them who are affected by their behaviors that are the most um, 
injured by this. The person themselves often is not. And that's, that's why they say actually people with narcissistic personality disorder don't often go to therapy or if they do, it's for something else. It's not usually people don't show up on your door and say, you know what? I have narcissistic personality. I need some treatment for this. That's pretty rare. No, they could be fully functioning in other, like they could be mm-hmm. CEOs of companies or, you know. Like, sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. They would look at their life and say, what, what do you mean? There's nothing wrong with my life. My life's great. <laughs> I've got everything I want. And yeah, you know. Sure, these people are angry with me, but I don't understand why, because what I did was right. Sure. Yes. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. What I did was right, or uh, they'll still realize it at some point. You know, they just don't understand yet. They don't understand well enough how brilliant that move was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's a, a, one of these uh, personality disorders, right? One that's been very popular these last few years. Do you guys want to talk? Borderline personality disorder would be another really popular one, mm-hmm. I think. I, d- I do think, well, maybe if we have time, explore some more of them. But I do think some of the other ones are potentially more common in our society than what we realize. I think a lot of people struggle with them, but they just aren't talked about as much mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And, and I don't know if that's just because. Uh, narcissistic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder are a bit more dramatic or uh i don't know more present theatrical so people talk about it more or whatever it might be they're more outward people make Um, movies about it people make people do make movies about it and girl interrupted i don't know how many mental health movies with women there are and they all have borderline personality disorder Mm. I wonder if it's the relationship piece, right? Like, I don't, like, there might be some personality disorders like schizophrenia where that person might not have as many interactions or might not be as known or specific. I feel like borderline is so, you know, the the black and white or the abandonment stuff could be, I don't know, maybe more impactful to the people around them. It depends. Yeah, maybe. I mean, and all of these things too, with the personality disorders um, come in a continuum. Like it's not, you have this or you don't. Uh, there's a variety of different markers for each of these and, and it's on a continuum of how much does that impair your life? And sometimes some of these continuums say there's seven or eight different things. There might be three or four that really impact you and the other three or four don't really at all. Um, but that, all of that's good information. So for borderline, like um, having difficulties, having a sense of self, so who you are and really genuinely knowing what that is, um, Im- impulsivity, uh, abandonment. Um, there's more of them, but I'm not recalling them on my Thursday brain. The one, the one that, that I remember memorizing in graduate school was uh, borderline personality is, uh, is shown by a pervasive pattern of instability in interpersonal relationships. Yeah. So yeah. just this real difficult time having close uh, relationships that are stable and last a long time. Yep, absolutely. There absolutely. could be some. Just... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say sometimes this is very much like hot, cold. Like I, I love you, but love is scary. So I'm going to be angry mm-hmm. and back away with you. Um, yep. I don't want, but now I don't want you to go. So now I'm going to lean into you and be around all the time. Uh, like it, it's just this very yo-yoed effect. 
of, I really want to have a close relationship with you, but I'm scared because close relationships have hurt me. So now I'm going to act chaotic and back away. Yeah. So they often say borderlines and narcissists match up in partnerships. Really? Yeah. Because there's this like, the narcissist is, yeah, I don't don't know. They play off each other. The narcissist um, likes to, likes to have people relying on them and needing them and feeling like they're really important. Right. And borderlines need that. And so borderlines who are, very unstable in there, like if you have this sense of instability as far as I'm afraid you're always going to abandon me, they'll, they could be really clingy and, and, you know, needy at times, but then rejecting at other times. Right. That mm-hmm. one of the, one of the famous books uh, for people who are, who are either loved ones of someone with borderline personality or people who have borderline personality themselves is called, I hate you, please don't leave. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, really puts yeah. that in great perspective. Right. Yeah, yeah. So very quick turnarounds and different types of reactions. There's also um, Stop Walking on Eggshells is a popular borderline book for persons who are uh, have a family member or loved one who has borderline personality disorder because often you feel like you're walking on eggshells. You're not sure what you're going to get. You're going to get someone who's really nice and uh, just endearing or you're going to get someone who's really, really angry and pushing you away. You're not quite sure. Mm-hmm. So um there's that and there's also obsessive compulsive personality disorder ocpd yeah ocpd and i i've actually had some clients diagnosed with diagnosed with this over the past little while younger clients as well uh, like in their early 20s with yeah persistent ongoing anxiousness and perfectionism and analysis paralysis as i like to call it but just this rigidity, high anxiety, persistent, not going away, and it impacts, permeates their being and their relationships. And yeah. Mm-hmm. How, now, okay, we got to be kind of clear. I mean, again, we're not teaching this this course, but there's people will say, okay, well, they might hear you say that and go, oh, so obsessive compulsive disorder is actually obsessive compulsive personality disorder. No, there's actually two <laughs> diagnoses. Yeah. One obsessive compulsive disorder is about a person with kind of, it's something that you could kind of uh, develop as uh, over time. And, and then um, it maybe it might be specific to a few different parts of your life. You might just have the thoughts, but have specific behaviors and it can be treated um, in a variety of ways, some medication, some therapy. Obsessive compulsive personality disorder is more of, this is a, ba- a pattern that's been with you maybe your whole life. And it's something that's that's uh, just the way you see the world, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the best way to describe personality disorders. It's yeah. been with you a long time, and it's kind of the way that you see the world. Yeah. And so t- treatment for personality disorders then differs, right? Because it's not something that's episodic. Right. Like, you know, um, a lot of other mental health issues are going to be, not, not always, but uh, like, Often they're episodic. It waxes and wanes given the stresses in your life or what's going on, your uh, mm-hmm. awareness to your thought patterns or your emotions, how you're regulating your self-care. Sometimes things, these things aren't bothering you and other times you drop into it for a week or two and then you re-regulate out. Like there's, you know, yeah. um, but for personality disorders, this person is going to have ongoing management or maintenance an awareness of 
what, how they're viewing the world, how they're interacting and how to change those interactions. Yeah. yeah. So, so you mentioned that it's a little more pervasive. It's been around more consistently in someone's life, but are you saying that someone's born with that? Or do you think it stems from things like breakdowns in terms of your attachment or again, trauma or um, because, or I know genetics plays a part of it too. We've got to be realistic about that. They say 30 to 40% of the way that we feel is influenced by genetics, but it's not a life sentence though. Um, of course we can, we can change these patterns, but yeah, no, bring I on, bring on the nature nurture debate. I love it. Oh, yes, totally. It always goes back that. to nature nurture debate. Doesn't it? Like, it's, yes, it's always that, but I, I do think that, um, trauma plays a role or so there's a, a researcher and author. Uh, I believe he's an MD is Bessel an MD. Radical. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah. And so really he, he believes that BPD borderline personality disorder is just a developmental um, trauma disorder. Uh -huh. Right. And he's actually trying to, get another diagnosis into our, our whole book here so that it gets rid of this one so we could see it from a different lens to say often persons with BPD and narcissistic personality disorder as well have complex trauma backgrounds. So what, what he's suggesting is, you know, we've, everyone's heard of the term PTSD, you know, mentioned it earlier, post-traumatic stress disorder, where a trauma occurs, but it's hard to work through that trauma sometimes. And so uh, you your body kind of gets stuck and you have these flashbacks and this anxiety and panic and stuff as a result. And what Bessel's saying, and a lot of other people are echoing this, is what these personality disorders are, are actually PTSD, but at such an early age that people kind of adapted their personality around that trauma and just kind of became, that's kind of became who they are, what their identity is in a lot of ways. For survival. For Not survival. They survived yeah. their environments potentially. And yeah. also the trauma typically wasn't one instance, yeah. right? Like it was uh, ongoing, persistent trauma. Sure. So, so I would, I would agree with that um, for sure. I think we're underestimating the role of trauma here and people's early experiences. So again, some of us are more susceptible to developing these disorders. There are some, you know, temperament for instance, or again, uh, biological um, or genetics and stuff, but I think a lot of it does stem back to these early challenges, right? And then it shows up, as I was just mentioning earlier, in very, very chaotic or rigid ways, but usually when there's a lack of treatment or a lack of support there in those early agents, right? Yes. And as yes. a result, like the people are grouping a lot of these symptoms and, and trying to make sense of it, and then I guess where some of these disorders come from, but you know, I, you know, I think there's um, a common thread there. So here's, I'll just, uh, as a little side note here, I'll give you the way that a, like a psychoanalytic person, someone who's, you know, Freudian might look at narcissism, right? So oftentimes what they look at is the early childhood experiences, right? So you say you have like a two-year-old child, you have a two-year-old little, little girl, for example, who um, is just starting to talk, just starting to walk, go around the, the house, and wants to kind of show, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm unique. I'm special. I have some, some sort of, you know, I have a talent. I can be funny. I can be cute. Right. As two-year-olds do. As two-year-olds do. I'm doing this and the parent either ignores it or like shames them for it. 
don't do that. Good girls don't do that. Oh, don't, no, don't, don't try to be funny, right? No, that's not good, right? So you, they get slammed for that, right? And that's what they would call a narcissistic injury. And like Brooke said, it might have to happen many, many times. But then the child feeling like, okay, wait a minute. I, you're telling me that when I express my true self, that's bad. So I can't, and that's intolerable for any human being, even a two-year-old. I can't handle that. So as a compensation, I'm going to imagine that everything that I do, everything I do, everything I touch, everything I say is actually wonderful. And everyone adores me and everyone's, uh, it's like this big, strong reaction to that. I can't feel like I'm a nothing. I have to feel like I'm in everything instead. So then going through life saying, hey, I'm the funniest person around and I'm the most beautiful person or I'm the smartest person in class, all that kind of stuff. Regardless of what reality is, that's what they are telling themselves and that's what they're telling people around them, right? And oftentimes other people around them start to believe it. Like, oh, I guess, okay, you say you're the smartest person in class, I guess you are. Or if you're that special, I, I will believe you. You're, you seem to have a lot of confidence, right? And so that's, the, that's where the narcissistic thing comes along. And their whole thing is to have people reflect to them how great I am. Hey, I was really great in that play, wasn't I? Or boy, I really, uh, I really am the best player on the team, aren't I? And people will oftentimes just go along with that. Yeah, sure, you're great. And that just kind of feeds into this, this uh, narcissism, which is show me that I'm wonderful because deep down I may feel that two-year-old in me saying, oh, maybe I'm, not, I'm a nothing. Yeah, and I, it's and a recorrective experience over and over and over for them Yeah, to heal that injury. It is. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting formulation, interesting way to look at it. Um, I think that there are, are also people who would say, you know, we're, we have a lot of different differences in our personality that don't have much to do with our, um, our childhood. You know, babies are different, actually, the first day that they're born. There are difference, differences in temperament. And uh, some people would probably say that some people are more uh, maybe prone towards some of these personality disorders. Maybe, maybe there's something that made them more susceptible towards that. And then uh, life events maybe kind of kicked it off or, or enhanced it somehow. Um, but we can't deny the fact that some, it's, it's not, it's, with, whenever you hear a nature nurture debate, it's usually the answer is some of both, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's an interesting point. I think you were talking about, it was epigenetics there, Ryan, about how um, it's interesting how, um, our parents and our, our grandparents and great-grandparents may impact our gene expression, meaning certain genes may be turned on uh, under certain circumstances. Um, so we may see these patterns show up through generations, what may make it more likely for us to uh, ex experience some hardship, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, experiences so are huge though. Like what we, those early attachments and and uh, how we deal with challenges, uncertainty, and a lack of control. Um, how we tend to cope with that early on um, while we're trying to make sense of ourselves and our reality is, I think, huge. It is. It is. Brooke, you were mentioning earlier that, you know, part of, part of the reason for bringing up this topic was that, you know, if there are some of our listeners who may be dealing with this or have family members who are dealing with, with a diagnosis of a personality disorder, you know, to try to break through some of the stigma. And what we're 
what we're kind of saying so far is that it's a it's a serious condition that's that's you know probably been with someone for most of their life, if not all of their life. Um, what sort of destigmatizing hope or message can we give about this sort of thing? Do you think? Yeah, well, I think we're already doing it in the sense that we're um, kind of planting that seed that it probably didn't pop out of nowhere. Like mm -hmm. chances are there is something that was going on that stirred the pot a bit that got this going. Like it's not, we have to have some compassion for how this was developed in the first place, uh, even if that development happened before that person even realized it, right? But chances are there was something, something's going on back there. Um, because I think we have to foster some patience for, for loved ones and family members. We have to foster compassion and patience, I think, or, or definitely with my BPD type clients and their family members. Um, but as well, I, for me, I'm thinking we have to like, in a way, have a sense of acceptance, like to say, this is here and this is here for a reason. And we need to figure out a way to work with it. It doesn't mean you're broken or flawed or like we need to embrace and accept. We need to lean into this and let's figure out how to make it work so mm -hmm. that you can have a, if this is a person with a personality disorder, how can we make you still have a fulfilling and meaningful life? Um, and if it's a loved one, how can we accept your family member who has these struggles and still accept that with compassion and perspective? Mm. Um, without it necessarily, I feel that personality disorders are stigmatizing, right? Like, yeah, that that is the one where the frustration and because it's not easily going to go away. It's something that needs to be ongoing and like management needs to be ongoing. Yes. Yeah. We're actually at a pretty good time. Uh, in the world of, of helping to treat some of these um, disorders. Yeah. Um, and and there's been a lot of progress made specifically with, with borderline personality disorder and uh, Marshall Linehan's work uh, with something called dialectical behavioral therapy, which has been very helpful there. Oftentimes yeah. it's, it's people will, will join groups that, uh, that help treat this and help people kind of manage some of these impulses and help, help develop a deeper sense of security and stability. And uh, so there's there's good stuff out there. Like I said before, narciss there's there have been treatments for narcissism um, for a long time, which usually has to do with, with kind of uh, helping to, to heal some of those early wounds if they're there. Unfortunately, uh, not many people go to treatment to seek treatment for their narcissistic personality disorder, which I actually interviewed someone a couple months ago, uh, Dr. Romani Durvasula, Durvasula um, who uh, works specifically with, with uh, narcissism and uh, the people who are in the lives of narcissists and oftentimes says, look, if it doesn't look like they wanna change, then you gotta find ways to protect yourself or, or get out. So, so I'll, I'll post a, a link to that um, uh, as well as, maybe some of Linehan's work and mm -hmm. um, some other Linehan things. Linehan has a, like a autobiography memoir type mm -hmm. book too. Um, that might be a good one to post because it tells a little bit more about her story and how it was developed as well as a little bit about the theory. Like it, 
is a good mix. And she has some interesting quotes in there. It's good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm generally, you know, I'm optimistic. I, I agree that there's some, some, uh, some great therapeutic approaches to help people with uh, personality disorders. I think the two that stand out, you mentioned narcissism as well as good old antisocial personality disorder, yeah. which is also very popular. Lots of uh, movies and shows um, kind of gravitate toward um, that type of criminal behavior, right? Can you describe uh, that one for us, Chris, for the listeners? Yeah, like antisocial personality disorder, jump in there if I, you know, uh, based on how I describe it here, but it's often described in lots of different ways. Um, the terms like psychopath or sociopath. So someone who is very much void of, of empathy, um, who has, are capable of doing um, pretty brutal, awful things to, to others as a result. So there's a range here in terms of those who have antisocial personality disorder. Um, some are highly functioning and, and uh, others are, could create uh, crimes or, or harm others and uh, show very little remorse for that. But something interesting happens though is they've done lots of different therapy with this um, group of, of clients and, and, uh, or individuals and they find that there's not actually a whole lot of change happening on the surface. What is happening is they're learning how to act or learning how to answer questions and sometimes so like uh, Dexter. Yeah, sometimes that's used for manipulation purposes, right? So it's very intriguing, but maybe that's one area I'm not as optimistic about in terms of treatment. Um, mm. Helping them to become more empathic and care about people again, huh? Right. Just kind of that cluster of, of person can be really difficult. Yes. It can be difficult. Yeah. And I'm sure there's there's definitely ways to support them and tap into that empathy and maybe build a bit of compassion there, but a bit of a challenging situation to deal with. Challenging situation, challenging topic. We should probably revisit this and maybe at some point just go through some of these disorders one by one and figure out like what we have to say about that, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot. I mean, we're talking, we talked about a few, um, but mm -hmm. you know, there's the whole like uh, schizotypal and schizoid personalities. I mean, there's, a lot of different interesting names, at least, and interesting mm -hmm. disorders. Which is then, again, on a continuum, right? Mm -hmm. When we're looking at bipolar disorder all the way up. So it, it yeah. could be argued that it's more on a continuum, right? That's right. Um, Joanna, did you have anything to pipe in about, like, the nature-nurture or the trauma history part or anything? Oh, Just man. working with, like, children and parents. I've been enjoying listening um, and learning from you guys. Um, no, I think I, I agree mostly what has been said in terms of, um, I think there's a bit of both. I think there's some, definitely could be some predisposition in terms of genetics and whatnot, but I think nurture plays a big role um, in maybe some early trauma. I think uh, sometimes that comes out a lot in border or uh, BPD, the uh, I can't think of any right now. Borderline. Thank yes. you. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is Thursday. Holy. Um, yeah. So I think that I think when looking or working with someone with um, some personality disorders, I think it's important to look at all those potentials and in terms of helping them and healing old wounds. And um, but yeah, I don't really have too much to add than what's been said. But. I know that you work with kids sometimes or often. Children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you um, pick up if there's a 
the tinge of a personality disorder in a parent? And does that Ooh. impact like how you might work? Because you involve the parent, I would think, in homework and things. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the the clients I've worked with, I see a lot of, not so much the personality I've been able to identify and the parents I've worked with. I'm sure some people can, but it's been a lot of more like parents who are anxious and then their kids are anxious. Or if a parent has a history with depression or another mood disorder, that kind of has played a role, but I have not so much, or I've heard um, in consults hearing about parents who might have the narcissism and whatnot, but yeah, I haven't personally worked with a lot of parents who've fallen in that personality disorder um, area, but I've had some kids, it's hard too with kids because some of these personality disorders can't really be diagnosed until they're older, but you might see twinges of lack of empathy or things like that. And you're just like, Ooh, we got to be careful with this one or, you know, educate or encourage the parent to kind of get supports as time goes on. But mm-hmm. yeah. Rich topic, you guys, lots to say, but uh, we're going to sign off for now. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Brooke, great topic. Yeah. Good job, Brooke. That's Hats good. off to you. That was uh Bite off on a on a sleepy Thursday, huh? I know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, let's go into this one. Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll hit it hard against next again next week. This will be the new one instead of sleep hygiene. It will be personality disorders number two. Part five: personality disorders. Okay, everybody, like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, Audible, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Tell a friend or two or 20. And uh, have a great, wonderful weekend. See you later.